If you've ever experienced cravings, you know, those really unhealthy ones, then you know how tricky it can be to resist, even though you know that succumbing to them is not good for you, right? So you can do a lot with willpower, but there is a softer and ultimately more sustainable way to fend off a craving and even shift its source completely. Now, today I'm going to share exactly how you can do that. So next time you get those cravings, you can make a healthier choice. Sound good? Well, let's do this. Hit it, Kim. Welcome to the Be A Brilliant Human podcast. You're in the right place if you're a growth-seeking being who acknowledges the challenges and delights of your humanity on the path to an ever more conscious life. If you want to feel inspired to love and accept yourself, to feel free to be and express you in all your brilliance, if you want to truly value yourself and others and feel energized and alive both at home and in the world, then sit back and take a breath as you explore and grow the brilliance of your beautiful human self with your host, the father of non-personal awareness and creator of the MPA process, Joel Young. Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 56 of the Be A Brilliant Human podcast with me, Joel Young. I am delighted you're here. If you're brand new, it's so good to see you. I wonder what brought you here. How did you find us? Let me know. There's lots of ways to let me know. You can come find me on social media at Joel Young MPA for the most part on YouTube. It's youtube.com slash Joel Young and uh, or MPA Rocks is the Facebook page you can come and find me at. Um, or go to the BeABrilliantHuman.com website and there's a button there. You can just leave me a message, say hi, let me know what you think of the show, all that wonderful stuff. If you haven't yet hit that subscribe button, even if you're brand new, I know you've just arrived, go ahead and do that now. Hit that subscribe button so you can be notified when each of these episodes come out. And if you're back for more, you know you've heard me says before, I love you so much that you choose to be here with me once a week, half an hour in your ears in some form or another. Brilliant. And also uh, today we're going to be talking about cravings and a non-personal approach. Not directly the way I'm going to share today isn't directly using MPA, but I'm talking about non-personal if you haven't already downloaded the, the free MPA worksheet, I've actually just redone it. So uh, um, you can go to MPA4, that's the number four, dot me slash MPA sheet and find it. Also, you'll always find a download link for that on the BeABrilliantHuman.com website. You can find any of the episodes that I've done. I so said we've done 56. We've got a great cat back catalog for it. Um, just go to www.BeABrilliantHuman.com slash 56 or whatever number of episode you fancy having a look at. Now, if you listened last week, you know that I mentioned that I had a message from someone, a wonderful message, some lovely feedback about the podcast. And she also asked me or described how her situation was that she was um, kind of wondering about issues that she had with eating and sort of body dysmorphia, those kind of things. Um, and, and she heard me talk about eating in general or, or my shifting my relationship to food. And I got back to her and said that I would do an episode on it. But actually, this is the first of two episodes I'm going to do that sort of cover that topic because today I did want to share with you um, this this one, which is about craving specifically. And next week we'll look more in general at sort of the whole area of 
kind of weight issues and, and all that all that stuff. We're going to look at that next week. So this week, cravings. Ah, oh, those little gremlins. <laughs> well, a while ago, I was working with a client and, and we got into some interesting territory around cravings. Um, you know, she was experiencing them and inevitably it's my one-to-one practice, uh, which by the way, if you want to come along and, and have some one-to-one work, I do have some space right now. You can go to joelyoungmpa.com slash sessions. You can book a free chat with me and see if it's right for you. But inevitably in that session with her, we looked at um, her cravings through the lens of non-personal awareness, which is where I kind of came up with this five-step process I'm going to share with you today. See, one of the hallmarks of the non personal perspective is you're switching from a personalized view to a relational one and we'll get more into that and it was very powerful for her to take the steps that I'm about to share with you when the cravings came calling but before we get into those five steps I do want to say that you know it it, it really bears saying that some cravings are actually just natural hunger that's kind of the positive intent of cravings Um, you know they're just telling you that you're deficient in some nutrient so not all of them are unhealthy but I think we kind of know the difference (laughs) some things we crave for we know are not the best thing for us or at least we know that there's sort of an element you know craving addiction that's in there so this approach that I'm going to share these five steps are for those cravings that you know are unhealthy good to go right let me share them with you then So what is step one? Well, step one is to align with the personalized truth of the moment. If you've listened to this show for any length of time, you know that I'm a massive advocate of starting where you are. So what's happening when a craving hits you? Well, it's been embodied. In other words, you've personalized the energy, the craving energy. You've kind of entangled it with yourself in some way it's like you've claimed the craving is yours it's my craving and you've literally made it part of yourself so you've taken the energy of craving and you've kind of smashed it together with you and and you are the craving and hence all of those strong feelings and urges and emotions so starting where you are may be a bit surprising but you know really aligning with the truth of the moment is to acknowledge that that's happened because it grounds you in the current reality and means that any movement you make from there is more connected and therefore more impactful and i've gone into that in more depth in some other episodes i can have to do a bit of research because i haven't done it as i'm recording this um so if i find some that specifically talk more about that i'll i'll put them as related episodes in the notes so again you'll go to the notes www.beabrillianthuman.com slash 56 but how can you do this in a simple way so the simple way to align with the personalized truth of the moment is simply to state the truth of it I have a craving (laughs) just stating it now there's a power in stating it especially out loud you know the MPA process um, and you can get the sheet for that as I said um, download that for free but the MPA process is a spoken word process I'm a great believer in the power of the word so literally just making a statement I have a cra- craving it just it just owns the moment and in fact a secondary benefit of that is it kind of does a pattern interrupt normally you sneakily somewhere underneath the surface you have a craving you try and deny it and then it acts out. <laughs> 
<laughs> and you reach for the thing that's not good for you. But by just saying, I have a craving, literally just goes, whoa, here it is. I'm admitting the truth of what's here now. And uh, so there's a great power to it. And again, as I said, the most important thing about step one is to start where you are. It aligns you with what's true in the moment. Once you've done that, you're ready for step two. Now, step two is to step into the non-personal or what I would say is the relational perspective. So remember how I've just talked about how, you know, you've kind of taken the energy of craving and the energy of you and you kind of smashed them together and made them one. But the truth is you're not, in fact, the craving. You know, I have a craving admits the truth that you're you're saying I am the craving in a way. <laughs> that's the personalized perspective. But that's not the case. You're not the craving. Now, that might seem like an obvious statement, but it's it's so automatic to personalize these, I guess, independent or separate energies. You know, we often miss the blindingly obvious. So the simple statement that you can you can make again to, to really move from that personalized perspective to the non-personalized perspective. So we go from I have a craving, which is step one, to the non-personalized view. There is a craving. I want you to feel the difference. Do it now. I have a craving. There is a craving. Feel that? It's like somehow already that disentanglement has happened with the simple power of two statements you know in you know we've kind of outed <laughs> we've outed the independence of the craving energy from our own energy i mean this is a really powerful step to make and it's good if you if you're doing this not to just give it lip service i mean it is just to really stop and feel it stop and feel the difference it's like from i have a craving there is a craving there's just a craving. The energy of craving is here, right? There is a craving. That's step two. So once you've done that disentanglement, step three is to understand that an unhealthy craving is driven by pain. So this is actually true of any imbalanced behavior. And if it's an unhealthy craving, it's an imbalanced behavior. Underlying it is is, is kind of some form of pain. And that pain is driving some misdirected behavioral response which is that's what makes it unhealthy right so you know it's like whatever that whatever that pain is normally the way that we cover up a pain or we try and deal with the pain with our survival strategies is we set up um you know a really you know some kind of path that that sort of makes us to survive which isn't always ultimately healthy but does the job at the time that's what we've done so it's a this step three is about understanding that there the unhealthy craving is driven by pain. So to see this more clearly, again, I'm going to use just a simple statement that aligns you with that perspective. And that's just to say out loud, the craving is in pain. So again, I want you to feel that. So we've gone from I have a craving to there is a craving, then the craving is in pain. Can you feel how you're kind of that that sort of disentanglement factor, which is so important for this process, is is really helping you to sort of step away and get a distance from the craving itself? Because, again, in the non-personal perspective, it's about shifting the relationship to the issue that's going on. Right. 
So that makes you ready for step four. So a step four, once you've, you know, you've acknowledged and really allowed yourself to open to the fact that this craving, there's this craving, it's not in here, it's out there and it's in pain, is to align yourself with compassion for the craving. Now I know, <laughs> chances are you've had an unhealthy craving and it, it beats you every time. You might be a bit miffed <laughs> with that craving. But once you realize it's not you, it's not entangled and it comes, you know, it, it's coming from a space of pain, um, you know, then normally compassion is like a natural response. Um, and by the way, this is not about figuring out what that pain is or analyzing it or fixing it. It's li literally just stepping into the perspective of compassion. So simply allowing yourself to acknowledge that the craving is a distinct energy, um, you know, you know, it's that it's you know, it's pain, you know, it's pain generally elicits that kind of response of compassion. But the thing about that is, is compassion or compassionate perspective is an empowering perspective for you personally. Because again, think about it, when you've been succumbing to cravings, maybe trying really hard using that willpower, and then it works for a while, then fails, works for a while, then fails, you know, you can feel like you are um, in a disempowered state. You know, it's like the craving has control over you. It literally is like this craving is coming in, is the puppeteer, you know, I didn't want to eat that bun. The craving made me do it. <laughs> but it's actually kind of true. But but really stepping into this place where um, where you really step into a place of compassion, realizing it's separate and having compassion for it, puts you in the seat of power. Now, there's no statement as such for this step. Um, as I say, compassion often is very natural. If you really get that it's coming from pain, then compassion will probably naturally come, come from you. But not always, you know, we're not all saints. <laughs> and even saints among us, let's be honest. <laughs> compassion takes work sometimes. But here's a great way to do it. Just imagine that craving as a little puppy. A little puppy in pain. You can almost like visualize it. There you are. It's like a little puppy. It's in pain. That's your craving. Well, that's the craving. That's the craving that's separate from you. <laughs> Maybe that'll help you get some compassion for it. You does the trick. So just as an aside, this step really, it's, and, and the whole sort of seeing it as something else that is in pain and definitely seeing it as a puppy. It's a form of personification, which is another sort of very powerful non-personal technique that I use a lot. It kind of further solidifies the realization that you and the energy are separate entities. And, you know, if you're one of these vibrational speaking people into Abraham, then as you probably know, compassion puts you in a much higher vibration than succumbing to the craving in a disempowered way. So once you've taken these four steps in a place of compassion, step five is very important. Step five is to open the possibilities of another action or behavioral response. So an unhealthy craving is fixated on a particular behavior or action as the antidote to its pain. So be that eating or smoking, whatever it is, that's the thing that, that you're having the cravings and you don't want to do it because you recognize it's unhealthy. So, you know, when you, when you give into it or you're or you are taken over by it, you know, when you personally identify with it, you're, you're actually subject to all the beliefs and behaviors that come with it. 
So now that you're untangled from it, you're in a space of compassion, you're in a much stronger place to open the doors to possibility. So why is this important? Well, you know, again, the craving usually has a singular focus, sugar, carbs, um, you know, nicotine, whatever that thing is, it's like, it, it's got it. This is how I solve this discomfort, <laughs> this pain. So it's got an idea of that's the only way. So once you're in empowered place, it's about empowered place. It's about introducing this sort of energy of possibility. Okay, this is not about figuring out what it is. You know, again, in the non-personal um, perspectives, we allow the mechanisms to have their own space to find you. So again, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, I talk a lot about inquiry and the nature of inquiry is you ask the question, let the answers find you rather than seeking, which is a very cerebral or mental process. And there's a place in the world for, for an analysis but these kind of times are not it because it's about just allowing, you know, whatever the other possibilities are, just let them come in. So this step really is about just introducing that sort of the sense of possibility or options into the mix. And the point is to align you and what I would call the relational space between you and the craving um, with that sort of option energy. So there is a simple statement that you can do, can use, which is again non-specific because we're not analysing or figuring it out. It's just that it's it, this this little statement just introduces that possibility, and it's this: there is another way. <laughs> so if you if you can sort of follow it along, you can feel that there's you know a way, often the ways that I work. If you've downloaded the um, you know, the unconditional pivot exercise and lots of the approaches that I use, they start where you are and they take little incremental steps into a place where you're much more empowered and you're and, and you're able to, you know, you have to take some massive leap that stretches you too far and you snap back. Each little step has its piece of the puzzle, you know, and that's, that's something that, that I seem to be able to do really well. So we're going to go through it. So first of all, acknowledge starting where you are. I have a craving. That acknowledges that personalized, you know, you've mashed it together. Then you go, there is a craving. Again, that begins the process of putting it outside of yourself. It's, it's so it's not so personal anymore. Um, the craving is in pain, acknowledges it and begins the personification process and hopefully elicits compassion, which is step four. And if you need a little, little help, then you can just visualize it as a puppy in pain. Once you've got compassion, you're then standing separate to it and in a place of empowerment. And then the last bit is just there is another way. And one thing I found when I've tried this out and done it on myself, and uh, also I did this with the client that originally, when I was working with, when this originally popped out of me, as these things do, is you can say there is another way with compassion, right? It's like there is another way. And again, it's it, it, what I found with this, and this, this has been with the people that I know that have tried it and have reported back to me, there is another way. Often what happens is that there will you'll get some kind of inspiration this is why seeking out or figuring out the answer isn't the best way it's like literally once you get to the end of step five there is another way just wait be still and it may be go exercise or it may be just go back to doing whatever you were doing before um or it may be that if it's food that you 
get some strange inspiration to eat something that's healthier. Um, again, when you're really wide open and have no agenda about it, that's when the magic really happens. Um, I know in some situations for myself, this is where certain cravings I found kind of almost like a new a new habit that, that comes naturally, that feels better, is healthier, but somehow serves the, the, the positive intention of the craving. Because if the craving's in pain, uh, it's picked that particular unhealthy behavior in order to do you good in some way. This is why it's easier to have compassion. So um, often if you really do let go and when you say there is another way, just be wide open, um, you know, you can be surprised what comes as a natural response. I also will say that it may be that nothing comes and that's okay. It isn't really about the the mechanism that will that will come in the end. It's literally the power of introducing that there is another possibility than whatever has been fixated on is is tremendously powerful in itself. And for a lot of people, it's just a matter of just that they find that the craving loses its power in the moment. So uh, again, <laughs> not to be attached to that outcome. Now, as I said, my client found this incredibly helpful. Um, that's why I wanted to share it with you today. And I hope that it makes a difference in your life experience. And I'd love to hear what you experience with it if you go ahead and use it. And you can again, let me know by those usual means. So I want to talk a bit more about shifting relationships because this is at the core of what MPA does. The MPA process is the way the non-personal approaches, all the things that I do at their core are about shifting your relationship to the issues I said already. And in this this arena, it's it's quite interesting. I've, I remember in the early days of MPA, when I first started teaching it and I was doing live events and part of what I was teaching there was about, you know, a story I'll get into next week about how I shifted my relationship to food and exercise. And um, that inspired a lot of people to, to use MPA or specifically the MPA programs, which I share and talk about and teach in the advanced training. And I would have follow up calls at the time uh, to sort of check in on people on how things were going. And this is an example is about cravings, is about food, but it's also about how we um, <laughs> we we miss the shifts. We just do it. So this particular lady had, uh, had said she wanted to shift her relationship with food. That's what she wanted to do. And, you know, often on those calls, you know, I'd have people that had attended the event and I'd be saying, you know, how are your programs going? What are you working with? How's it working? And you, you get all these. I've got loads of amazing testimonials and incredible things happening. Um, this one lady, I remember she was kind of had quite a, a gruff sort of um, air about her. And she says, well, nothing's happened. It doesn't work for me. I was like, well, okay, you know, you have to acknowledge any kind of method doesn't necessarily work for anybody, but I, for anybody. But you know, I said, well, you know, what were you trying to work on, and uh, you know, what's happened? Just talk me through it. And she was like, well, nothing happened. I she said, I want to shift my relationship with food, but I still get the cravings. I said, I'm not eating, but I'm still eating on them, but I'm still getting the cravings. And I was like, hang on, hang on, hang on. So what you're telling me is before you, the MPA. You had the cravings, you succumbed to the cravings and you ate. And that's the weight issue that you want to work with. Yes. And now you're telling me <laughs> the issue is you still have the cravings, but actually you're not succumbing to the cravings. You're not eating. 
So tell me, do you think you actually shifted your relationship to food or not? And she was like, ah, oh. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it that way. But that's a really good example of how we can get her in her mind. Success was like cravings go away. Um, but actually at that point in the, in the process, um, she was at the point where she said the cravings, but she wasn't succumbing to them. Now that is a massive, massive shift, but her mind was so fixated on my, you know, how, how I can judge success as if the cravings are gone. Now over time that, change will have changed because it's you can see there's a progress as a shift of habit um but you know it i just i just love you can see i'm almost stuttering over my words because it's like just it makes me want to laugh um but it's a true fact of our humanity right it's part of the humanity that we we get fixated on a particular result and then we can get all sorts of amazing things but that one thing hasn't happened you know that one marker so that's why i said you don't be results focused you know really have an open non-agendered way of approaching this and the point of this is you know sometimes also it takes time and practice to shift a general pattern because at the time that um she was on that call you know the 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 shift was still in progress she was using mpa as a practice at that point um and was kind of missing and dismissing you know the benchmarks along the way but that's often how it works yes and i've seen it so so many times mpa can shift something completely in in one go it can take you like you know 20 seconds to do a process and and have massive shifts or as you know one lady said to me 18 years of depression went away in two minutes i do see these instantaneous um shifts but for the most part a lot of things that we do especially if that craving is based on a habit and the behavior is ingrained then it does take that sort of time and that practice and that sort of just doing the thing several times so these five steps that i've just given you they're a great intervention um, but if the cravings, you know, are strongly habituated, then consider using it as a practice and definitely consider adding MPA into the mix. Now, you're probably saying, how do I add the MPA process into the mix of this? Well, first step, of course, is to go and download the sheet, uh, which you can get again, go to today's notes or in fact, any of the notes or anywhere on beabrillianthuman.com. But today's notes are www.beabrillianthuman.com slash 56. Also, I will lay out these five steps there as well. So you can, uh, you can grab those. Um, and then I strongly recommend you get the training as well. If you've got this thing where, where you're just fighting the cravings, the MPA basic training will, will get you really into using the MPA process. It will also support you in actually using it and making it sustainable and will, will again help you to be comfortable using that process alongside it. And the way I would use MPA alongside this process is you can you can MPA whatever the craving is. You can literally you, you need to find that what I call the cookie cutter for it. That will tell you how to do that in the um, in the basic training and in the sheet. Um, and then just each stage, each time anything comes up, you can use MPA to assist because it assists in shifting that relationship. But I have seen again this process, this five-step process is a great way to sort of separate and untangle yourself out from the personalized craving, give you more power, and MPA will be a great kind of accelerator for that whole process. 
All right. I think that's it for today. Thank you so much for being here um, and spending this time with me. If you have enjoyed this program, if you've got value from it, if you think it will help someone, go and tell them. Tell somebody today about the Be A Brilliant Human podcast so they can come and find it and uh, get whatever benefit you felt from this show. Make sure you remember to subscribe and I will see you next week. Again, we're going to be on a similar topic next week. So I look forward to that. Um, And I'm going to be answering or addressing the questions that I was asked in private message. If you'd like to message me, you can do. If you have a show topic you'd like me to cover, if you have... Uh, feedback you'd like to offer I'm always open to that and of course if you're on iTunes or anywhere else that has a review if you feel like leaving me a wonderful five-star review I'd be super happy excellent we're done that's it go tell somebody and I will see you next week all that remains is to cue the moo (laughs) 